This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the New The Game podcast. I am your host, Ryan Conwell, analyst and NCAA editor at Lacrosse All-Stars. This week's guest is Jesse McNulty. Jesse is the manager of lacrosse analytics for the Atlanta Blaze in the MLL. I'm very excited to bring this conversation with Jesse to you. Jesse is someone I've been lucky enough to know personally over the past few years as his involvement in lacrosse has steadily increased. He's one of the many people that you see in front offices around the lacrosse world that actually didn't come from the sport and is not a player, so a lot of what he's had to learn has been on the fly. As the manager of lacrosse analytics, he leads a very talented and experienced team of analysts who are on the forefront of bringing quantitative decision making into lacrosse. The field of sports analytics in the lacrosse world is extremely young and it has plenty of opportunity ahead of it. But with that youth also comes quite a bit of misunderstanding. Jesse helps explain what analytics actually is, but more importantly, what it isn't. The analytics that they do with the Blaze go way beyond just your basic box scores, and it really helps drive decisions throughout the organization. I really do hope you're going to learn quite a bit from listening to Jesse. But before we bring you Jesse, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Summit Lacrosse Ventures. Summit Lacrosse Ventures holds camps and tournaments all over the U.S. They are most well known for their Placid Summit Classic, which is actually just coming up in a few short weeks up in beautiful Lake Placid, New York, but they do offer so much more. The next major event on their calendar is the North Star Invitational, which is on July 23rd, also up in Lake Placid. Go check out their website to see if there's an event near you or find one that's going to be making a trip for, which I highly suggest. Those are definitely going to be fantastic events. But to find out more, look at summitlacrosseventures.com. So now, without further ado, I bring you our interview with Jesse McNulty. Welcome to this week's show, and we have Jesse McNulty of the Atlanta Blaze. Jesse is the manager of analytics, and we're going to dive into a little bit about what that really means and what that does to help the Blaze. So, Jesse, welcome. Great to be here, Ron. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, Jesse, just do a little quick little thing here. 60-second um, resume. So how... Who are you, and uh, why do we have you here? Sure. So I guess my background is in mostly in, in sports within hockey. Um, I was a college hockey coach from 2010 to 2015. Um, got into analytics really through the game of ice hockey. Um, decided to take a, a premature retirement uh, when my wife and I were expecting our first child back in the fall of 2014. So an opportunity presented itself to just do some remote work, uh, working with some Canadian major junior teams, did some analytics work and did some scouting with them. Uh, had an opportunity in 2015 to work with a World Junior Championships team uh, for IIHF in, in 15 when it was in Montreal and Toronto. And a couple of LinkedIn conversations uh, in the you know, end of 2015, beginning of 2016 uh, with Coach Tucker and, and at the time Coach Huntley. Uh, about the expansion opportunity with the Atlanta Blaze and an opportunity to bring some students along and use this as an interesting learning experience. I'm, I'm, a, I'm in public education full-time uh, to pay my mortgage and 
one to really engage my students in an interesting learning opportunity. So this was a, a great opportunity to connect with a team to do real rigorous work and, and give some students some interesting learning opportunities. And from there, that had really materialized into some more substantial research and some st- substantial uh, scouting opportunities uh, and, and doing some week-to-week operations work with the team and, and helping the coaching staff inform their decision-making. So that's pretty much where we are now, three years later, and it's been a, a great experience, and I've been really excited with uh, the new developments with the Blaze this year, specifically with uh, Coach Banks and, and obviously the addition of our new owner, Andre Gucher. So this has been a really exciting time to be a part of the organization. Um, one thing you did mention there, you are a public school teacher. So mm-hmm. what do you teach? So for 10 years, I was a high school math teacher. I taught algebra one for the most part. Um, had an opportunity to uh, take over and do some instructional coaching and working at the district level. So that's what I do uh, in the state of Delaware. I work in Appaquinimink School District as a district level instructional technology specialist. And how did you go from being a teacher into getting involved with the hockey groups that you were involved with because it's much more than just you know the local Delaware you know club scene or whatever mm-hmm. it might be yeah so my I guess my academic background was in engineering um, so I was a civil engineering major from the University of Delaware I graduated back in 05 uh, had an opportunity to move into the private sector working for a civil site land planning uh, company just really just decided that that wasn't my passion and not what I wanted to do for the next 30 years my passion was education my passion was teaching Uh, So an opportunity to move into the education sector was something that I was very interested in doing very early on um, out of my college experience. Um, Had gone back and gotten my master's in education as well throughout that process. Um, Really within sports, I got into coaching because I got into teaching. Uh, My first year I started coaching high school hockey um, and really worked my way up the ranks rather quickly. And kind of all the stars aligned in an opportunity to go back to your alma mater and coach uh, the NACHA Division One level at, an, at a national powerhouse like Delaware was at that time um, was something that I was extremely interested in giving back to that community as I was a proud alum. My wife is an alum. We've already predestined our son to be class of 2036 from the school too. So um, we have a lot of pride for that area and that community. So this was something that I was really looking to do and looking to build. And back in 2010, you know, hockey analytics was still very much in its infancy. Um, there wasn't player tracking. There wasn't Um, A lot of the technologies that you see and a lot of the public analytics work that was being done um, even at present time. So it was a much smaller community looking into how do you address questions that coaching staff has um, to be able to provide them information so that we can make the best decisions for ourselves when we were on the ice. So um, if I can stop you there really quick, one of the things you're just touching on um, how 2010 is not that long ago, um, especially in, in sports terms that's that's still a current crop of players that are still around but um when you talk about the evolution of analytics of where it was then where it is now um can you kind of give us some background of what this industry has been like over over that time to say how is it to the point where an mll team has the need to have an analytics department whereas just 2010 you know it's not that long ago there weren't that many people doing it, but it seems to be on a, a massive, uh, massive rise right now. Yeah, you make a really interesting point there because you're right. It's not a lot of time. Um, it's been seven years, and I would say that the advent of analytics and sports has been going on for 30 years. But I think a lot of the mass appeal of it has been largely in the last five to ten years. Um, a sport like baseball has been tracking 
you know, statistics for the last 140 years. You know, football, not so much. They've been really coming around. I think the advent of technology in a lot of these sports, being able to use cameras, being able to use tracking, and, and a lot of the health diagnostics and sports science standards that have been provided are really starting to infiltrate a lot of these teams at a lot of the professional levels. And, you know, in my opinion, analytics is nothing more than information gathering and problem solving. Um, a lot of these teams have questions about how they can optimize their performance, whether it's for themselves, whether it's against opposition, um, or they're really just trying to maximize their player efficiency on their own rosters. That's something that I think, at least within our organization, is one of the big focal points. We're really worried about ourselves and really worried about getting as much information as we can out to our stakeholders, whether that be our coaching staff, whether that be our front office, or to our owner, to make the most informed decisions that we possibly can bringing as much objective information to have the greatest amount of leverage to make that best decision. You had mentioned how a lot of this analytics world came out of baseball and everybody knows at this point, the whole money ball thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and and wouldn't, wouldn't say that uh, it's a big surprise that the big spike in this also seemed to be around when that book and movie became really big too. Um, But one of the things that's unique with baseball is they just play a ton of games. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at you know football, the NFL has a 16-game season. College football is even less. Um, I remember uh, reading back, uh, you know, this was probably 10 years ago, um, Football Outsiders is somebody that started a game-charting project to really dig into the next level of you know football stats and really understand you know the number one receiver versus two receiver versus three receiver against different defenses and you know making that available to the public but um how how do you try to bridge that gap with lacrosse especially pro lacrosse where um you don't have a lot of games to work from and you know the player mixes can be different and there's a lot of challenges there like you said it's problem solving too mm-hmm. um so how, how do you try to reconcile some of that so i i think one a lot of the nuances and the uniqueness of our sport and specifically the major league lacrosse league itself is that we have a lot of undetermined questions that we think are really important for example our guys are out of town for the most part five days out of seven days a week so being able to gather information about our players about their health about their wellness about their player readiness that's something that's really important to our team and being able to gather that so that when they do come into town the 48 hours that we have them we're able to provide them the greatest level of care and service with our athletic training staff our medical staff and being able to provide our coaching staff as much information about that so that we can maximize performance. That's one facet that is extremely important to our team and very unique to our sport is that our guys are not, you know, the NBA where those guys are in town 24-7, 365 for the duration of that season. We have to be able to maximize our time on field and off field while those players are in town, whatever town we may be in, whether that's in Atlanta or an away trip like this. Now, one phrase you just used there that I think um, is worth emphasizing is provide information. Mm -hmm. So what is your job with the Blaze when it comes to providing information and where that factors into decision making? So I think in any sport, it's really just about that idea of providing information in the sense of I have never met a coaching staff and I have never been a part of a coaching staff that has not wanted every single piece of information 
to make the best decision possible for their team, no matter what sport that was. And I've worked in multiple sports by this point. This really is the same thing in Atlanta. We've got, you know, Liam Banks and Jamie Hanford and, and Spencer Ford, and they want to maximize performance with our players. They want to have information about, you know, tendencies of players of our own, tendencies of players from other teams, looking at a variety of different metrics, considering options within our draft, looking at sports science and looking at our player wellness. Um, these are a lot of things that our coaching staff just in nature have questions about. And we just simply take those questions and we begin to gather data around those questions to just try to make as much of an informed decision as we possibly can. Um, I know a lot of teams are talking about, you know, if they do research in sports analytics and you're looking at the NBA and you're looking at player tracking data and you're looking at really advanced you know, statistical models, that's not really quite where our sport is. I think we need to be centering this around the common questions that our staff and our front office have and really trying to leverage as much of our resources that we have to address those questions while at the same time leveraging to the maximum capacity what we do have access to. For example, we have access to all of our video and being able to really leverage that video and being able to push that and distribute it out to our coaches, to our players giving them the most feedback on their performance, on the performance of our opposition, that's important. And that's really educating our players and educating our staff and being able to provide them the greatest amount of information. Now, something you were just mentioning there, too, that um, I think is your engineering background showing through a little bit, because I know I I have the, the same sort of background, you know, different discipline, but... Um, one of the major things that I run into is with decision-making and problem-solving, the biggest thing that a lot of people tend to overlook is what is the problem you're actually trying to solve. And I think you are probably in the position where you can get a ton of data out there and just load up uh, you know, a couple databases, um, you know, generate some reports, a bunch of graphs, and send them out and say, all right, guys, here's the here's my top 20 players. And they could say, well, top 20 in terms of what? You know, it, it, you always have to be able to answer the question of what is the problem we're trying to solve? What is the decision we're trying to make? And when you started working with the MLL, was it difficult to determine what those questions were? I don't. So you bring up some really interesting points that I would like to discuss first. You're absolutely right. I think that the whole idea of or the whole persona of a sports analyst walking into an organization and saying, this is the best player and we should draft him, I think is the completely wrong approach to how you should be addressing this. Our coaching staff has a very well-educated, very high background and very well-credentialed you know, experience in this sport. They understand what good players are. It's being able to provide them some additional information to maybe show them, okay, well, for example, if this guy had been drafted, okay, he was off our board. So let's look at four more players that compare to that player and how he plays. And, you know, looking at, for example, a cluster analysis to just determine who are those groupings and where are those groupings located to be able to try to find some inefficiencies. That's important. And being able to provide that coaching staff with not only what that is, but why. And being able to 
take that information and explain, well, I really like this player because, not because he's the best, but because he's the 90th percentile in this category, he's the 95th percentile in category B, and he's the 99th percentile in category C. So because of those three reasons, he should be in the top five of our board. That's providing additional context and additional understanding. Now, whether or not you're talking to Atlanta or you're talking to Boston or you're talking to New York, they may be very different criterion for why they do or they do not like a player. Every one of these rosters is completely different. We need to be able to fit what the Atlanta Blaze are looking for and, and looking to develop the team that they ideally want. And that's just an example of the communication piece. My coaching staff comes right up to me and they're like, well, what are your thoughts? But why? They want to understand the context and they want to understand the rationale for what my thinking is. And in, and in the same fashion, I want to understand why do they feel this particular situation or this particular player is the best? Because, quite frankly, I was never a high-level lacrosse player. I, was a, I come up in ice hockey, and I was a terrible ice hockey player at that. I think that's why I became such a great coach. I need to educate myself and begin to understand and, and rationalize why they feel they're making those decisions so we can then culture anything that we do within our organization around those priorities and those needs so as much as the information is important it's also equally important to be able to have that communication level and that trust and understanding of what is it that the team is ideally looking for and really trying to find the information to provide to that so that we can foster as much of those needs as 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 are necessary. So I think the draft is especially uh, an interesting time for anyone that's in an analytics role because you're looking at a gigantic field of players that are essentially unknown to where they're going to wind up. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I mean by that is you don't actually know how that performance is going to translate. You have coaches on staff, you have the expertise there that they know who the best players are. So as the draft is coming up, we know who the top you know, four or five picks are going to be. It's just a matter of what the order is and who winds up falling where. Um, and there's not anything crazy there. But when you start getting into the second round, the third round, the fourth round, and you're looking at, um, you know, do I go with this defender do I go with this midi? Do I go with this attack um, based on who we have, who's on the team? Is that um, a position that you find yourself in with the team? Like, do they come to you and say, all right, we're looking for, you know, an, an attackman that is going to be, you know, an off-ball guy? Or do they leave it a little bit more open for you of saying, all right, based on who's out there, what are some of our options? So if it, I think it's a little bit of both. It's it's doing your preparation in advance and having that information available to make that decision quickly. Because when you're sitting at a draft, you don't really have the time or the resources to just go and start addressing those questions while they're at the table. There's only a couple of minutes. We kind of need to be walking in with a preset game plan of understanding our priorities, establishing our models to understand what those priorities are, and building out a hierarchy of need, no matter what that hierarchy is. At the same time, it does come back to being able to, on the fly, adjust that based on what selections were taken in advance and really being able to maximize on what is available, especially in the back end of the draft. You're absolutely right. And I think for the last couple of years, we could probably have said the top 20 guys were going to go in the top 20 to 25 spots. It was just a matter of what team and what order. 
Um, and like you said, with the top five to six guys this year, it was a similar situation. It's when you get to the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh rounds, being able to find those diamonds in the rough. Um, and diamonds in the rough is more to a context of what is your team looking for and finding value at the back end of the draft to fulfill the team's needs. There's a lot of people that get drafted every year, and a lot of people are curious in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you know, is that a player who's going to, you know, be local to town? Is that going to be a player who's being committed and committing himself to the game of lacrosse? Has job opportunities that allow him to be able to travel? and, Or is it a player that's going to have to stay more regional or local to their market? And, and stay more in-house uh, based on their work needs or, you know, off-field needs. Um, these are a lot of conversations that go into play, and those are a lot that data doesn't necessarily, we don't necessarily have access to that information. So being able to continue to communicate with coaches, being able to communicate wh- what the attentions are of players, and then putting that in as additional information to, to support our decisions is, is really important, especially at this level. And something you were mentioning there is also a, a very important part of any sort of data analysis, which is you can only make a decision as good as the information that you have. Mm-hmm. So when you are looking at players, it is their on-field performance that's factoring into whatever rating system you might have or evaluation against their peers of that particular position. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily include a lot of those off-field things that do factor in, and that's not just an MLL thing because you know we're trying to get guys that can you know come to the Friday night practice or whatever it might be. Every single professional league has player interviews and individual workouts and all those sorts of things. So. Um, do you get involved with, um, you know, trying to incorporate any of these like soft skill type things? So it's, it's information that we disseminate across the organization. Um, as far as those particular conversations, that's going to be more the role of Spencer Ford, our, our team general manager and, and Liam, our head coach. Um, I'm going to be more looking at the on-field statistics and, and building out a lot of our information back end to support any of the information that they need moving forward to player performance. Um, the conversations that they would have with coaches, that information is going to be more privy to, to their roles uh, within the organization. So, you know, every organization is different. Um, every draft has been different. Um, I feel really fortunate this year that with a new owner and with another year of an established you know relationship with Spence I think that trust level is certainly there with the coaching staff and is something where we're being looked to as a greater resource and greater capacities moving forward and being able to leverage that trust with gathering of information and being able to look at not only publicly available information but also looking at you know external information that we track on field that maybe isn't necessarily tracked by the league or necessarily tracked by crossover which is our video analysis software at the league level Um, we have a lot of influence within our organization to build out an analytics department that is extremely dynamic that is taking on a variety of roles and and looking to advance this sport um, at the MLO level um, fortunately, I have Dan Dorkowski in, in the room here as well, who's been a fantastic resource with us. He's one of our um, analytics guys uh, who lives local to the market here in Boston. And he's 
you know, really continuing to address some of the questions that our coaching staff has and looking at those questions, but being able to provide it in a very visually appealing way and, and, and in a very quick decision uh, time frame and, and being able to have that information back at a, at a high level of fidelity, which is something that is extremely important with this organization as well. So something you did just um, bring up is you truly do have an analytics staff at this point mm-hmm. with the blaze. Um, why don't you take a, a few moments and talk about like, what is some of the background of the people in this department? Um, just to give everyone a frame of reference that, you know, it, it's not just a bunch of interns. Mm-mm, not at all. Um, you can actually look at our entire staff is on our website under the coaches link uh, at atlantablaze.com. We have, you know, people who are working within our organization who have worked in Major League Baseball, who have worked in NBA, and have done that for a number of years, doing everything from quantitative analysis to draft modeling. We have, uh, you know, Dan's background is in chemical engineering and operations research. Um, we have a couple of individuals who are more focused in computer engineering and data science. Um, I am, you know, an engineer by trade and an educator. Um, We've got undergrads who are doing this and looking to advance their work and really also at the same time trying to learn the game. Um, We also have everybody from high school. We have four representatives from high schools who are looking at tracking a variety of questions that are catered to the math and science levels that they have and being able to rely information back. Um, the last three years I've been very fortunate in the, to have the support within Atlanta to build out a high school analytics department and to not only allow these students the opportunity to take part in an, an experiential learning opportunity, but also to be able to publish research. Um, Tyler Schanzenbach, who was who started with me since the very beginning in 2016, um, was able to publish his research at the joint statistics meetings for the ASA each of the last two years. Uh, once in Chicago and then once in Baltimore and then was actually up here in September presenting at the New England Symposium on Statistics and Sports at Harvard. This is a 17-year-old student at that point who has a fairly impressive apprenticeship. This is a student who wants to go in and and learn statistics and learn actuarial science for his undergrad um, at a local university and these are the interesting learning opportunities that can be provided to kids that are going to continue to advance advance sports analytics, but also advance STEM education. Um, and we have an organization that's extremely supportive of those types of initiatives. So we've got a very diverse array of men and women, high school, undergrad, as well as graduate students, all the way up to working professionals um, who are extremely interested in continuing to build this sport and, and continuing to build sports analytics in the game of lacrosse. Um, I, I- I kind of love the point you made there of providing math and modeling at the level of someone that is, you know, towards the end of their high school career, Mm -hmm. looking at colleges, um, because I think it emphasizes that not everything is graduate level statistics work. Um, Some of it definitely is. (laughs) I think with some of the modeling you can get into, there, there is some very high level math that can get involved, but it's not everything. No, and you make a really good point there. And I think especially, too, in this sport where the state of analytics is in the game of lacrosse, it's still very much in its infancy. We're still dealing with countables and and looking at events that are counted. That, quite frankly, does not take advanced statistics and modeling to do that. 
but taking that data and being able to represent it we can build out a variety of very advanced models that can answer some very technical questions that our front office has and that our coaching staff has that can potentially impact how tickets are sold can potentially impact what potential trades could be offered could even impact who we draft um, or even who we roster each of the each week with a 19-man roster so there is a very diverse array of the questions that can be addressed and with that said there's an extremely diverse background of of analysts that can address those questions and I think when you look at the the background of some of the analysts that you do have you mentioned um, you know other professional league experiences from around and within the lacrosse world there's a handful of other people that do take um, data analytics pretty seriously I think the two that definitely come to mind for me are always Joe Keegan and Patrick McEwen. Um, you know, Patrick's over at IL and, you know, Joe is with Moneyball, um, kind of under the, the TLN umbrella. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that they do mention all the time is stealing from other sports. And I know that you've done the exact same thing. You know, you come from a hockey background. There is a lot of overlap with basketball. How big of a part of developing what you're doing for lacrosse does come from stealing what other people have done because it's also that's not just a lacrosse thing i mean that is how research happens too yeah to paraphrase uh mike babcock the head coach of the toronto maple leafs this is about r&d rob and do um less about research and development yeah our sport is so similar to so many games um for example ice hockey for example soccer as well as basketball um, the five on five or six v six, looking at the on field ball movement, looking at free flow. It's a very dynamic sport that a lot of public and even proprietary research has already been done in a lot of those sports. So taking what has been done by extremely credentialed, you know, people in their fields and in their sports, and really trying to find a way to develop that and and bring some context into our game is something that's very important it's not about reinventing the wheel um quite frankly i don't think that there's much that we do within our organization that is unique to our sport and exclusive to our sport i think a lot of what we do is taking the best of the research that's already been done within nba within you know fifa with pro soccer um and even within you know elements of football the last couple of years and really trying to leverage that work that's been done to bring that into our game and and really begin to push the envelope i think you know guys like um patrick McEwen, who you mentioned have already done a lot of building out analytics lacrosse.com which is really a hat tip to the ken pomeroy era and looking at ncaa basketball metrics um, a lot of what Joe Keegan has done with Moneyball Lacrosse is really taking a, a page out of, you know, the work that's being done with BasketballReference.com and looking at efficiencies both on the offensive as well as defensive side of the ball. Um, it's looking at a lot of the work that's been done at 82Games.com, uh, the Eli Wittis work um, with, you know, player expectations and catch-and-shoot versus dodge-and-shoot. Those are elements that have already been done in the past, but cult providing that culture around our sport um, and being able to do it in a very unique market. I think Joe has done a remarkable job being able to do that, not only in the MLL, but also in NLL and working at the NCAA. Um, and he's got a great staff over there with Dallin Kimber and Jake Watts, um, who have done some fantastic work. Um, 
you know, Patrick's been doing some great work in, in really advancing that largely in the NCAA space. Um, but, you know, we're also not necessarily in a position where we're keeping this siloed. We're happy to have conversations back and forth and continue to advance this. You know, yes, I work within an organization, but we're not necessarily closed-lipped. And we're, we're happy to talk about this. We have presented a variety of research at conference, whether that be academic or sports analytics centric um, statistics that that's also going to be the only way that we continue to advance this sport, continuing to foster it within MLL, continuing to foster sports analytics within lacrosse and pushing the league to to branch and continue to look and ask these questions as well. All right, so before we wrap things up, there's five questions I like to ask every single guest we have on. Um, all right, the first one is, what is just something funny from this past week that just makes you laugh? So I had some chuckles at some of the conversations that were being had on the NCAA college selection <laughs> show for the NCAA tournament this week. Um, some of the things that Quinn Kesnick and some of his other panelists had to say um, about analytics, I thought I, I chuckled at a little bit. Obviously, people have their different opinions um, on what true impact data has in sports, and they're certainly you know valid opinions. Um, but I had a nice little chuckle about that. I'll give you that one. Um, all right, the, this next one is a little bit out there but let's say you win some sort of lottery you know windfall of some kind and you all of a sudden wind up with 50 million dollars but you have to spend it in the lacrosse world somewhere so that's a lot to make a big difference but it's not a lot to completely change everything um how would you spend it uh, i would spend every cent on developing the youth game and building up youth academies and building up underrepresented communities to engage them into this what this sport is. I think the instant that you put a, a stick in a, in a child's hand, male or female, they're going to love this game. It's, it's extremely dynamic. It's a great game. Um, I think that what we need to do as a sport is continue to, to push that envelope. Um, Mr. Gujar, our owner, is extremely dedicated to doing that within the metro Atlanta area. I have seen teams in the last three years, you know, New York's and, and the Chesapeake's, um, who are in strong lacrosse markets, really continue to push that envelope. And you're seeing Denver and, and the Dallas's do the exact same thing in their markets. Boston has really exploded in, in, and uh, looking to build out the clinics and, and the youth outreach opportunities. If we can invest every cent into that, that's going to benefit our sport for the better. All right. I like it. And honestly, it's not too different than what I would be doing either. <laughs> um, all right. One other one is when you talk about conversations within the sport, um, what is something that you think we talk about too much that gets too much attention and just diverts us from what we really should be paying attention to? One of the things that I've noticed is that people people are starting to center their conversations around analytics in our game as using it more for the information advantage and how do you really maximize on those advantages whereas i i never entered this three years ago as that i i always entered it as an educational opportunity like how do we continue to grow this sport and grow statistics in this game but always using it as a foundational learning experience um 
so I know that there's a lot of people who have some very polarizing opinions about analytics in this game. And I guess I've just always taken the approach of sports analytics in whatever sport the conversation is on is, is a very positive one. Like, let's all just use this as an opportunity to learn. Um, I had a great conversation with a friend of mine last night uh, after practice who is a basketball analytics enthusiast and she's been doing some remarkable work has has had offers from nba teams to work um has chosen to work in the private sector but you can tell that there's a passion there to just continue to use this as a learning experience no matter where that individual is whether or not they're professor luke Bourne, who's the vp of analytics for the sacramento kings or they're you know just some individual who's looking to just promote some public work that they're looking around there's a positive energy and, and, a, and an opportunity to just use this as a learning experience. That's that's my one big takeaway is there's been just a very polarizing and negative effect on sports analytics in a lot of sports. And I'm really just trying to use this specific to lacrosse to just use this as, hey, great. I love where you're at. How do we continue to advance this this sport that we love and continue to advance data analysis in it? And so the next question, you actually might have even answered this one already but it's what's something that is not talked about enough I think I think what's not being discussed enough is the same thing that's not being discussed in a lot of sports where it's the player wellness and and looking at the health implications of what this data can provide and looking at more of a readiness factor and a lot of the the center of the sports science that's something that's still going to continue to be built within every sport out there um, and certainly has room to improve within the game of lacrosse whether that it's wearables whether that's subjective wellness information um, and being able to disseminate that to the stakeholders that really need to have it um, whether that's your athletic training staff your medical staff um, and really being able to push that all the way down to the youth levels um, and really using that as a as a as a focus of player safety um, within our youth programs, I think is extremely important. So I'm actually curious with that, because um, that, that is a very interesting point, but is there the ability to actually do injury-focused analysis? Because I know everybody looks at head injuries, but I'm even talking other injuries, whether it's overuse. I mean, baseball obviously mm-hmm. does that with pitch counts and that level, but could you see that happening in lacrosse to any degree? Absolutely. It's just a matter of... Can the price point be there to make it happen? Um, Still in our game, budget is a big factor, and we need to continue to think of ways where we can bring that price point down but still provide a certain level of information to the stakeholders that need to have that, Um, whether that's a coach, whether that's a doctor, um, whether that's an athletic trainer that's working with a team that's, you know, U10, all the way up to to Major League Lacrosse. player safety has to be of paramount whether that's concussions or that's looking at general health diagnostics player readiness fatigue stress levels mood hydration um those are all extremely important factors to be considering so last question now this one actually gets kind of tough when i'm talking to people that do work in the lacrosse world full-time i think um there's others like you that didn't come from the sport originally that makes it even more interesting but what is the last lacrosse game you watched for fun? The last lacrosse game that I watched for fun was I went to a game a couple of years ago. I'm from Delaware. Uh, so Delaware actually hosted Johns Hopkins 
you know, it was a February game. I think it was week two, and it had just snowed. And I walked out there. I was I was coaching um, at UD at the time, so the Delaware Stadium where the lacrosse team plays is adjacent to the ice arena um, where my office was. So I just walked out there and got to catch a game. And you know, Bob Schillinglaw is is a legend in this sport, and I had the good fortune to you know get out there and get a chance to network with him a little bit from time to time. Um, had a chance to connect with him actually at the at the draft earlier this year. Um, but it's exciting, and, it, and that was one of the times where you can get out and you can experience um, some sports on your own campus. I really tried to get out as much as I could to lacrosse, to baseball, um, to soccer, and, and even you know some of the winter sports, men's and women's basketball, uh, just to try to connect and get those sports out to our, our games as well. All right. I like it. Well, thank you very much, Jesse. Um, you know, that's all the time we have for right now, but um, good luck with you, uh, your whole department, as well as, you know, the Blaze as a whole and, you know, this season and beyond. Thank you, Ron. All right. Thanks.